Okay, nine of you at a time. That would be helpful. Where are you from? Favorite ice cream, on a stick. It's a pretty frequently asked question. I mean, we get asked these questions a lot, right, here in college. Okay, so I want to know, what's your name? What year are you? Where's your hometown? What's your major? We want to get to know each other a little bit, but we don't really know how to ask questions beyond that a little bit. The good news is someday you'll graduate and you'll get a whole different list of questions, like, what's your name and what do you do? you got a lot to look forward to the rest of your life. Um, but these, these questions don't really encompass who you are, do they? I mean, there may be a little bit of a snapshot or maybe a little bit of a glimpse into, I mean, at least you got your name down, uh, and things you might be excited about or passionate about. Hey, I'm a nursing major because I really want to help people, or I'm, uh, it's a little bit of a glimpse into you, but it's not, it doesn't encompass who you are, right? These questions that we ask, is that true? Okay. Anybody feel like they, this person knows them really well after they know what you're studying? Okay, good. We're on the same page. Um, we also carry ID cards with us, right? So you might have a driver's license or a student ID or some other form of identification. All, these things can also provide a little bit of a snapshot into, snapshot, not Snapchat, uh, into who you are, right? So if you have an identification card on you right now, I want you to pull that out, okay? A student ID or a driver's license, or maybe something to like a local gym, fitness center or something. All right. I want you to pull that out or pull them out. And I want you to find somebody near you that you don't know very well and get to know each other by exchanging your IDs. Okay. See what you can know. See what you can learn about somebody else by exchanging IDs. You can stand up and move around if you need to do that. Oh, dude, that's beautiful. Benjamin. Yeah. Benjamin, do you have this number memorized? Yes. You do? 0110210. I still have mine memorized from Michigan State. Okay, come on back, come on back. Who, who feels like they just learned something about somebody? Anybody? Anybody feel like they just learned something about somebody? Come on back, come on back. Um, I learned from my friend Ben up here that he has his student number memorized, which is good. So anybody else have their student number memorized? All right, most of you, well done. Uh, I still have my Michigan State ID number memorized from when I was in college, like, a little while ago. Um, okay, so I also have collected a number of ID cards over the years. 
So I've got a few ID cards that I've collected over the years from different school or work or here's one from the Y, Michigan State. Actually, you know what, I, I put a few of these up on the screen for you. There you go. I was a freshman, community college, it was a good time. Go ahead to the next one. Yeah. Go green, go green, all right. I did some grad school work in Jerusalem. Oh yeah, look at this. Internship there, that's nice. All right, yeah, there we go. Did young life at Jackson High and had to do, oh, I can drive a boat in the state of Washington. Somehow I got a driver's license when I was 12. There you go. There you go. That is me in college right there, ladies and gentlemen. You can take that off the screen anytime. Before we frighten people and they run away. You can take that off the screen anytime. Thanks. Okay, so you guys just learned a little bit of something about me, right? Anybody learn something about me? Uh, did some school, community college, Michigan State, some grad school work. I can drive a boat in the state of Washington. I've had a few different jobs, a few different hairstyles. What can I say, right? Uh, I am married now, and I no longer look like that, so just keep that in mind. Um, but each of these IDs, each of these ID cards, as in with like, you know, social media, Facebook, Twitter, they give you a little bit of a glimpse into who somebody is. But it's just not quite, doesn't, it's not quite the whole picture, right? Um, here with CM, with Campus Ministry, we want to know you. We want to get to know who you are. We want to get to know more than just what's your name and what's your major. We want to know what gifts you have, what passions you have, what you're excited about, what you love to do uh, for hobbies or whatever, if you like to go running or exercise or sports or who your favorite sports team is, go green. Um, those, we want to know these things about who you are. And we want to invite you to get to know us as well. And so this was just a little snapshot for you to get to know a little bit about me, but feel free to keep getting to know me, the other staff, and each other because um, we think that's important. We also think it's really important to know Jesus. And we want to know who Jesus is. Who is who is Jesus? What are some of the things that we know about who Jesus was? Like what were, what were some of the snapshots of of who he is? He's the son of God. Savior, he was a carpenter. He was a healer. He was what? From Nazareth, great. He uh, was he grew up in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem. He did ministry around the Sea of Galilee. He died in Jerusalem. Uh, he was a Jewish rabbi. He was a great teacher. He lived about 2,000 years ago. There's, these are things that we know about who Jesus is, and they offer a little bit of snapshots. Okay, he, he healed people. He taught people things, but we want to we figure out how to dive in a little bit even deeper than that. We don't want to just scratch the surface with Jesus. We want to figure out who he really was. Um, so this semester, 
here at the well, we want to dive into this question. We want to say, who is this Jesus? Really, who is this Jesus? Um, and what does it mean to, to follow him? So uh, I'm going to read a passage from uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Um, I'll tell you where it is in a moment, but for now I don't want you to just listen to it, okay? Uh, here's a story from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, and when I'm done reading this text, I will say, this is the word of the Lord, and I invite you to say, thanks be to God, okay? When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But Jesus replied, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, that is from Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 13. And you are welcome to turn there if you have uh, a Bible with you or a phone with a Bible app. We like those too. Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 13. The reference is also up on the screen. So Jesus asks his disciples two questions in this story. Okay? The first question he asks who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say that I am? Jesus is asking that question. Who do peop, what, do, what are people saying about me? And they reply by saying, some say John the Baptist. Well, that's an interesting thing to say. Why, do they, why are they getting John the Baptist and Jesus confused? Uh, there's a reference in Matthew chapter 14, actually. You can look at that if you want. Matthew 14, the first two verses. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus, and he said to his attendants, this is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work within him. So some people are thinking Jesus and John the Baptist are like the same per person, even though John the Baptist uh, was beheaded earlier, and that's why that story is going on. Okay, some say Elijah. Why are they saying that Jesus might be Elijah? Uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but if you'd like to, you may. 1 Kings 17, uh, starting at verse 8, there's this miracle that takes place uh, with Elijah and this woman about uh, who, who's running, she's running out of food. And so he asks her, hey, can I have some, some flour for some bread, and can I have some oil? And she's like, I don't really have much left. He's like, just feed me and trust me, and it'll be okay. And there's this miracle that takes place where the bread just never runs out. And she always has enough. Jesus comes along later, and he's hanging out in the Galilee, and he feeds 4,000 people in one account and 5,000 people another time. There's this 
thing that's going on where this, the bread gets multiplied. And so people are remembering this story of Elijah in 1 Kings 17, and they're saying, well, Jesus did the same thing, so maybe he's sort of like Elijah. Uh, also with Elijah, the same chapter, uh, 1 Kings 17, Elijah revives a widow's son in a town called Zarephath. Jesus comes along. He heads to a town called Nain, which is near the town of Zarephath, and he raises a widow's son. So some say Jesus is like Elijah, or he is Elijah. Maybe somehow Elijah came back because he's doing things that Elijah did. Who do people say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. The second question Jesus asks is, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Uh, At this point, the disciples had been hanging out with Jesus for a few years. They're trying to figure out who he is a little bit. Peter, probably the oldest in the group, was kind of the designated spokesperson. So he's the one that spoke up on behalf of the disciples. And he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of the living God. And then, as you can see it in in, uh, Matthew 16, Jesus' reply is like half of this story, right? So I feel like, you know, Jesus says, Blessed are you, Peter. Your name is Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, and I will give you the keys. I mean, Jesus is excited about something here. What's going on? What's going on with this? So let's, let's dive in a little bit deeper. Let's pull back a layer, um, and let's kind of look at this story just a little bit tonight. Uh, where are they? Let me ask you that question. Look in, the, look in the scriptures here. It's good to ask questions when you're reading or studying the scriptures. So where did they go? What does the scriptures tell us? They are at Caesarea Philippi. You can go to a map here, I believe. All right, so Capernaum is near the Sea of Galilee. It's in really big bold. Uh, Jesus spent a lot of his time, about 75% of Jesus' ministry took place in the Capernaum-ish area. Capernaum, Bethsaida, there's another uh, town called Chorazin in there as well. And, And so much of Jesus' teaching and ministry and healings took place in that area. In this story, the Jesus and his disciples go up to Caesarea Philippi, way up north. It's about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. It's the only time that we know of that Jesus and his disciples go to Caesarea Philippi. Uh, Caesarea Philippi is right at the base of a mountain called Mount Hermon, about 9,000 feet elevation, and it's also where the Jordan River starts. The headwaters of the Jordan River kind of start near the Caesarea Philippi area. Um, You can go to the next slide. Here is a picture of Caesarea Philippi. Okay, you got a big cave on the left and a huge cliffside. There's four pictures. You can kind of just flip through them a minute. Another angle there. And you can see some water kind of flowing out there. And you can just hold it right there for a while. Okay? So this is Caesarea Philippi. Stood at the base of the cliff. You can see the big cave. And in the ancient times, there was actually a spring that came out of that cave. Okay? Um... To the pagan mind, the cave and the spring water at Caesarea Philippi created a gate to the underworld. 
And so they literally thought in Caesarea Philippi, this was the gate to the underworld. This was the gate to Hades. This was the gate to hell. This is what the pagans believed at that time. Uh, This place uh, also became a center of pagan worship. In the 3rd century B.C., they began worshiping the Greek god Pan. Anybody heard of the Greek god Pan before? Okay. Uh, A few of you heard of Pan. Um, Basically, so Zeus was a Greek god who, like, lived in heaven. And then he had a son, Hermes, who had a son, Pan. Uh, And the Greek god Pan was, like, the biggest god who dwelled on the earth. So Zeus is up in heaven, and Pan is, like, the grandson that's on the earth. Um, Pan was a happy god of song and party, of orgy and drinking, um, of fertility for the common farmer and shepherd. He was part goat and part man, which I know is, you know, naturally speaking. So uh, he had a human torso and arms. He had goat ears and horns and on a human head. You can go to the next slide, actually, for a minute. So here's a little illustration. Okay, and he played this little flute thing, too, but we're not going to go into that. So um, this is a clean version, okay? Let me just go ahead and say that. Uh, His statues often show him naked with exaggerated parts. I don't know how else to say that. Uh, He had a whole collection of lovers called nymphs, usually portrayed as naked young women with whom he fooled around with, bringing fertility to the mountains and the woods and the farms. The worship of Pan involved a variety of incredibly, incredibly immoral practices, including people having sex with goats. At Caesarea Philippi, there's a shrine to worship the god of Pan. Yeah. Um, you can go to the next slide, actually. Here's a, an artist's illustration of what they think it might have looked like. You can see the cliff in the back, the, the cave on the left with the huge temple and uh, stuff like that going on there. Jesus leaves the religious area where he does most of his ministry around the Sea of Galilee. He takes his disciples 25 miles north to the region of Caesarea Philippi. This is the place the disciples probably heard about as kids and their parents warned them about, right? And all of a sudden, Jesus, their leader, their rabbi, is bringing them to this place. I can only imagine the conversations the disciples were having in the back as they were getting closer. And it's in this place where Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Jesus is asking this question here. Simon Peter's response You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. A clear jab, I think, at this worship to the God of Pan. You are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. Not Pan. This is what Peter's declaration was. 
Jesus obviously loved that, you know, so he got really excited about that, and he has this long rant, okay, and he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, okay, here's a couple things about this, this part here, in Aramaic, the, the word Peter and the word rock are kipha. Say kipha. It's the very same. Peter, rock, Aramaic, very same word. In Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, it's basically the same as, as well. It's petros or petra. It's a masculine feminine differential, but it's basically the very same word. Peter, you are rock. Your name means rock. Um, you, and actually, here's the other thing that's interesting. Peter's name was Simon, right? So if you turn to John chapter 1, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 1, verse 40 to 42, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So there's this other story that took place earlier where this guy's name was Simon, and Jesus says, no, actually, your name is going to be different now. I'm going to give you a new name. Your name is Peter. And then later here in Matthew 16, Jesus reminds him of his name. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Let me tell you something about names in the ancient world. Parents did not name their babies because they thought the name sounded cute, or because it rolled off the tongue nice, or because it was unique, or it was not unique. Um, parents named their children knowing that what, whatever their child's name was, that was to be their destiny. That was their essence. That was their core. This was going to be their life purpose. And so Simon had this name, and Jesus says, no, I'm going to give you a new name. Your name is Peter. You have a new identity. You have a new purpose. You have a new calling. And he comes to Caesarea Philippi, and he says, hey, remember I gave you a new name. You have a new purpose in life. Your name is Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. This rock, this cliff face, this Caesarea Philippi kind of place. In a place like this, I'm going to build my church, and I'm going to use you, Peter, as part of the foundation. Isn't that awesome? Anybody else think that's kind of cool? Or am I the only one that's really weird about that kind of stuff? All right, I got three people in the back that also think that's kind of cool. So everybody else can just bear with me a couple more minutes. Um, if you know and follow Jesus, I believe he will change your destiny. He will change what you think is your purpose. He will change what you feel called to. If we follow Jesus, as we get to know Jesus, these things can change. The things that we're excited about, the things we're passionate about, they change as we get to know Jesus. 
I did not think that this was going to be my destiny when I was hanging out in high school. Let me just tell you that. But Jesus gave me a new name, and he gave me a new purpose, and he gave me a new calling. I think he wants the same for you and you and you and you and you. And probably you too. Just kidding. Um, No, I'm not kidding, but... (laughs) Sorry, Mason. Um, As we... Here's the thing. Peter was able to say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he was able to say this after he gets to know Jesus. And then it's after he's been following Jesus and hanging out with Jesus and getting to know Jesus, then he understands more of who he is. Here in college, we're trying to figure out, who are we? If you're a freshman, you feel like, hey, I've got a brand new identity. Nobody knows who I was in high school. Nobody knows the reputation I had. Nobody knows anything about me. I can be whoever I want to be. I can start all over, fresh slate. Yep, that's why we're glad you're here. Because we think Jesus wants to give you a a new, fresh start too. And we want to invite you with us to come and follow and get to know Jesus. Yeah! (laughs) Woo! We want to get to know you. We want to get to know each other. We want to know Jesus. Jesus. Uh, There's a quote from Mark Twain that I stumbled upon the other day. Uh, The two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. Mm, Yeah, Mark Twain, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) It's not this book, but it's Mark Twain, so it's good. Um, (laughs) Okay. Uh, So much of the answer to who you are and your purpose in life It really does hinge on how you answer the question, who is Jesus? Or who is Jesus to you? Jesus asked those two questions. Who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? Uh, This week we had uh, a couple people go around and ask a few of your fellow Lakers this question. So we have just a few responses uh, to this question in this video right here. So go ahead and enjoy that.
Jesus is someone that I need to strive after. Jesus to me is someone who died on the cross to save me from my sins, and he's coming back to like judge us at the end, and he's my creator, and he loves us, and he's the son of God. That's Jesus to me. <laughs> He obviously holds uh, a lot of importance in a lot of people's lives, and I can really understand that. And um, I mean, I might not be as close to him as I'd like, but I mean, I don't know. I think it's, he can be a very, very important part of life. After my mom was uh, diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, he has been a miracle worker. Um, I have never seen the power of prayer work like it has. Um, since then, it's incredible. Jesus is my uh, passenger when I drive. I buckle him up. <laughs> um, he's my confidant. I talk to him. I pray to him. I tell him everything. You know, everything and anything about me. Um, he is. He's everything. He. He is everything that I could ever need. And a best friend, a father. I don't know. He's. He's everything. about you? Who do you say that Jesus is? How would you answer the question? Is he a good teacher, a moral teacher? Is he just old school, irrelevant? Is he your savior? Is he your only hope? Who is Jesus to you? Bless you. Today, here at Grand Valley, you guys are living in a place that is not too much unlike Caesarea Philippi. Let's be honest. The culture around here at Grand Valley sometimes celebrates drunkenness or sex. In this place, who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Some of you have been here for just a few weeks. You're already discovering and finding out how difficult it is to answer that question the way you really want to answer it. Friday night comes along and everybody from your, your floor is going out. They're going to the party. What do you do? How many Friday nights in a row do you just sit in your room and say, no, I'm good here by myself because I don't want to go out to the party? How do we live into this? How do we answer the question, who do you say Jesus is when you're being invited to those things? Or what about the classroom? 
What do you say or what don't you say when the professor says? Or when the person you're sitting next to on the 50 says? Do you speak up? Do you say, no, this is who I think Jesus is. He's different than that. He's better than that. He offers more life than this. Who do you say Jesus is? How we answer this question is so important, and it, everything else in our lives hinges on how we can answer these questions. This semester, we want to dive into this question. We want to find out more of who Jesus is, what it means to follow him, what the implications are for our lives. Because we think as a result of that, we will discover more of who we are, what our purpose is, and what our destiny is. Some of you might be thinking, I already know who Jesus is. I grew up going to church. I already know the answers. Or maybe you're like, I don't really know who this Jesus guy is, and I want to discover him. Or maybe it's both. Maybe you're like, hey, I grew up in going to church, and I want to get to know him more. I sort of feel like, okay, I've been married for seven years, uh, and I love marriage, so that's awesome. Um, but what if, I, what if Stacy comes up to me and is like, hey, what are you, you want to take me out on a date sometime? And I'm like, nah, we've already been married seven years. I already know everything there is to know about you. I think I'm good. You can just... Really? Who would do that? And why would they do that? No, life is full of adventure that's still to be had with, with Stacy and with other people here. We're going to keep going on dates. We're going to keep getting to know each other. We're going to keep going out riding bikes and going to movies and laughing and doing all these grand adventures together because we want to keep getting to know each other more and we think that's the way life is meant to be lived. How much more so with the king and creator of the universe? Let's not just say, yeah, I already know. I already know. No. Let's, go, let's get to know him this semester together. We invite you in on that journey with us because we believe that the more we know and understand who Jesus is, the more it will shed light on who we are to be. Pray with me. Jesus, I pray that you will help us when it's difficult to answer this question in the middle of the week or on the weekends, help us to answer this question with confidence. Help us to know how to know you more. We're so grateful for the gift and the opportunity to to be here in this room and to open up the scriptures and to have these conversations and get to know other people. And I pray, God, that you will you will help us know how to live our lives day in and day out. Help us to know how to answer the question or wrestle with the question as we discover more about who you are and how fascinating you are and how much more there is to know about who you are and how that casts light onto who we are to be. You're awesome.